What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And here on the Playmakers Corner, we love covering the best football players in the country. And so that's what we're doing, continuing our coverage of women's flag football on the NAIA level for this 2022 season. We're in week eight, you know, and so there were a lot of games this week, a lot of action in the KCAC. And then at the time I'm recording this, it is April 7th. And so there will be a lot of action here in the Sun Conference, which we'll talk about on this episode as well. I'm sure there are big implications that happen as a result of some of these Sun Conference games. So without further ado, you know, let's let's go ahead and hop into this right here real quick. So the first game we're going to talk about actually happened on April First. And so uh, this week eight, as, as we're going to classify it, is all the games from April 1st through April 7th. And so on April 1st, uh, the University of St. Mary went to Kansas Wesleyan, and I believe this was Kansas Wesleyan's last home game here. So it was senior night. Uh, They had a couple of seniors out there, including their quarterback, Brianna Hernandez-Silva. And so that was a very nice thing that they did over there. But here's how this game went down. This would be a good one here. So uh, to start the game in general here. Kansas Wesleyan, they got the ball. And Brianna Hernandez-Silva, she would actually find four different receivers on her way to the red zone, finding uh, Wiley, Roman, Hawthorne, and Rubino on her way there. And so once they get into the red zone, it comes down to this fourth and three play here. After, after scrambling around a little bit, she throws it on the run to Ashley Hawthorne for the touchdown. She would then uh, throw the conversion to Jada Wilson, who brings in a nice low catch. And there you go. Kansas Wesleyan goes up 7-0. to zero just like that. Now, that was probably the most exciting drive of the first quarter as there were a couple missed opportunities um, by both sides on offense leading up to the last offensive drive of the first half, basically here. I mean, right before the end of the first quarter, St. Mary would actually get in the red zone. It came down to a fourth and two after a strong run after the catch by uh, Ellie Campbell on third down. And so on fourth and two, uh, Cheyenne Galbraith, the quarterback for USM, would try to squeeze it into uh, the middle here to Ashlyn Tuss, but she could only get one hand on it. I I couldn't tell if uh, her hand was pinned or if she was just in a weird position, but regardless, she was not able to pull that pass in, and so Kansas Wesleyan would basically take over on offense, and that's how the first quarter would end here. Now, the second quarter, like I said, not too much really happened in the first half after (laughs) that first offensive drive here. I mean, Kansas Wesleyan would take over and drive into St. Mary territory, but would find themselves in a fourth and four situation. Silva, she would throw on the run, but she wouldn't be able to get the fourth down conversion. And so St. Mary would take uh, over on offense after... uh, well, basically, after two back-to-back uh, failed red zone trips here by both teams uh, in their defense. Defense playing well, you know, not allowing too many places to go with the ball, but definitely a couple missed opportunities here early on here. 
like you said, those would continue in the second quarter as St. Mary would eventually punt the ball back to Kansas Wesleyan after stopping them uh, basically in the red zone there. And so Silva, she's trying to get some things going for Kansas Wesleyan. Starts out with a nice 15-plus yard scramble to go ahead and get them into Spire territory. Um, another 10-yard scramble would put Kansas Wesleyan into the red zone right before the two-minute warning. So here we go. Kansas Wesleyan is kind of rolling here they're getting something going and that momentum continues after the two minute warning as Brianna Hernandez Silva would go ahead and end this drive with a nice rollout scramble for the touchdown uh, going ahead and taking it in herself uh, they would also get the conversion conversion here throwing it to Jada Wilson one more time making it a nice 14 to 0 lead right before half now this University of St. Mary team they had about a minute 40 seconds minute 30 seconds before the half ended they tried to go ahead and score and cut into this deficit here but they basically stalled out around midfield I mean they had a couple opportunities deep but I mean it just wasn't connecting this game uh, they just weren't hitting on some of those opportunities and so there you go uh, this half ends 14 to 0 with Kansas Wesleyan with the lead now St. Mary you know coming out of half they responded in a pretty good way here you know they wanted to go ahead and score early on so that they could make this a one score game as soon as possible make it a little bit more manageable here and so out of the half you know they're they're leading a pretty methodical drive and they get to midfield on a couple nice throws here once they get to midfield uh shine galbraith should then throw to uh her center clothes who then gets them into kansas wesleyan territory on a nice 10 yard reception it was basically i mean she was hitting her check down but uh, her center would go ahead and get a nice 10 yards there to put them into kansas wesleyan territory and then after that Gal would go ahead and take a shot to her wide out one Jerrica Johnson who burns her DB and I mean burns it's 101 and so she goes ahead and wins that matchup and gets in the end zone on a nice 30 yard touchdown making it 14 to 6 uh St. Mary's would get the conversion on the next play here and so it would actually be 14 to 7 uh a one score game now st mary they're back into this and you know on defense they they give them a little bit more to work with as kansas wesleyan does eventually stall on their ensuing offensive drive and punt it back to the spires uh on a very nice punt though it wasn't like bad or anything like that they got them pinned back pretty far honestly on this punt Regardless, though, the Spires, they have the ball. They have a chance to go ahead and tie this one up or, you know, at least make it a one-point game if they don't get the conversion and whatnot. And so they're trying to take shots downfield. Shine Galbraith, she is targeting Caroline Simpson here, who does have a step on her DB when she releases this ball. But the ball was just underthrown, like pretty badly underthrown. If she put it just a bit more, well, a, not maybe not a lot more, but a bit more in front of Caroline. Airline, she definitely would have been able to at least have a chance at catching it and then I mean if not score get a pretty big 30 or 40 plus yard chunk play here but like I said it was underthrown and Angel Roman of Kansas Wesleyan also a freshman of the year candidate if you uh, have been paying attention to our award race here goes ahead and makes an excellent leaping interception here it was double coverage and so it was a sitch where you know the corner uh she had caroline kind of pinned and then the safety went ahead and cleaned this one up and so kansas wesleyan they want to go ahead and reply and reply they do 
Brianna Hernandez Silva finds Ashley Hawthorne over the middle on a nice little pass, and then Hawthorne goes ahead and pitches it to Jada Wilson to her left, who is wide open because the defense was collapsing on Hawthorne here, and uh, Wilson here basically runs untouched down the sideline for about a 30-40 yard touchdown here. They couldn't get the conversion, but they get the statement here going up 20-7. to Now, the Spires are not quite out of it just yet. It's still the third quarter, so if they get something going here, then they could score either late in the third or early on in the fourth, and then they just need a stop to go ahead and get the ball back and potentially win this one. So they're still in this game, despite it being a 20-7 to game right here. And so on the next drive, uh, you know, the Spires, they're moving and they get to midfield, but they stall out. And this is thanks to a couple of big plays here. Uh, great pass deflection by Jada Wilson to knock the ball out of the center's hands on third down. And then it's fourth and one here for the Spires. And Alexa Manser comes up just with a great play first off, and just a huge pass deflection that Kansas Wesleyan needed here. Um, maybe she could have intercepted this one. Uh, Cody, he was watching this game, and he was like, ah, she could have intercepted this one. And uh, that's kind of a throwback to her film breakdown, but honestly, who cares? It was fourth and one, so it's fine, and they're at midfield, and so Kansas Wesleyan goes ahead and takes out that opportunity for the Spires, and flips it to an opportunity for them to go up by even more here right before the fourth quarter and potentially put the Spires away early because this is a team that has shown that they can battle back. And so literally on the exact next play after that pass deflection on fourth down, you know, this is first down for Kansas Wesleyan at midfield. Uh, Brianna Hernandez-Silva would then pitch it to Alexis Jimenez who then pitches it back to Silva who brings it about 50 yards to the house on a touchdown. Now, I had to watch this play again because it was a little interesting. It looked like the Spires were a little confused on defense. So, uh, watching it the second time here, it looks like that Silva pitches it to Jimenez here right before her flag is pulled, like maybe a split second before. And so, Silva's flag, one of her flags, is definitely pulled here. And then when Jimenez pitches it back to Silva, I think the Spires defense was a little confused because they saw that her flag was pulled and so when she ran in between two defenders, neither pulled at her flag because because one of them was already gone. At least it looked that way. And so a little bit of confusion here, but she does get free. And this is legal as, I mean, she wasn't down with the ball officially. I mean, that's a ref's decision here, to be honest with you. And so uh, that's, I'm, I'm leaving it up to them. You know, I, I'm not saying it's a bad call by any means, but it definitely seemed like the defense was a little confused here. And uh, I mean, look, it's never a bad thing to be sure here. And the one time they weren't sure, I mean, you know, she goes ahead and brings it to the house. And that's kind of just a little bit of a fluky play. Not necessarily, you know, the Spires' fault for not pulling it. But, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit Kansas Wesleyan as, you know, it still takes a lot of skill to do what they did here. You know, very accurate uh, pitches here. And then, you know, Silva just making it happen and bringing it to the house regardless. So... 
There you go. Uh, but they get the touchdown. They also get the conversion, making it 27-7 right before the fourth quarter. Uh, this one is kind of out of reach at this point here. I don't think there's too much uh, the Spires could do. They do drive down the field basically on all check down passes because that's all that Kansas Wesleyan would allow, allowing a lot of those short passes. And uh, so all those check down passes plus a pass interference would basically put the Spires in the in the red zone here and then Jerrica Johnson would get them in the end zone by catching a pitch and running it on a nice 10-yard touchdown but that drive kind of took a lot of time it began in the third quarter ended in the fourth quarter with about eight minutes 35 seconds left they don't get the conversion so it's 27 to 13 here i mean you know kansas wesleyan they did a good job of kind of limiting those opportunities and letting the spires battle against the clock here and that's i mean that's just smart football and you know kansas wesleyan when they got the ball back on offense they basically used up the clock. They did a good job of that, using up about five minutes of game clock, uh, getting into the red zone, but not being able to score a touchdown here. And so uh, St. Mary would get the ball back with about eh, three-ish minutes left in the game here. Shine Galbraith would take a shot downfield here, trying to get just anything going, because it is still a 27-13 game, uh, but they got to get a touchdown quick here. But Jada Wilson makes an excellent interception, uh, basically in one-on-one coverage versus Jerrica Johnson, and that would be the game. Kansas Wesleyan beats the University of St. Mary 27-13 to here. Now, Brianna Hernandez-Silva had an excellent game here, um, led the team in both rushing yards and passing yards, had 103 rushing yards and two touchdowns. She also went 19 of 33, uh, passing for two touchdowns and 226 passing yards, no interceptions. Angel Roman had five uh, receptions for 59 receiving yards, and then Ashley Hawthorne also had five receptions for 44 receiving yards and a touchdown. Alexa Manser, she would have six tackles and two pass deflections in this game here. I believe this was enough to actually make her the KCAC Defensive Player of the Week. She did have a couple big-time plays here throughout the game, and, I mean, she was flying all around. So congrats to Alexa. Um, super happy for her. And, you know, congrats to Kansas Wesleyan. Now, here's the thing. In this week here, you know, so they played on Friday, and then Kansas Wesleyan would actually play the University of St. Mary on the following Tuesday, just a couple days later. And so we'll talk about that game here as well in a minute. But first, let's talk about Midland versus Kansas Wesleyan. So uh, how it went down is that on April 5th, basically, I want to say it's Kansas Wesleyan the University of St. Mary would all travel up to Fremont, Nebraska to play on Midlands campus here as they would be the host of all the games that I'm going to talk about. Well, these next three games I'm going to talk about here. And so let's talk Midland versus Kansas Wesleyan. So uh, last week, you know, we talked about Midland. We talked about how, you know, maybe they go for a change at quarterback here. Maybe uh, they see what they have with Haley Stanton. 
but going into this game, they were not going to change their quarterback. They stuck with Angel Iowain, and so here we go. Midland actually scores first this game, with Iowain finding a Sade Irvin on a nice 21-yard touchdown pass, making it 6 to zero in the first quarter um but that would basically be it nobody else would score in the first quarter you know a couple uh drives that had promise for both teams were going but they just couldn't quite find anything it also seemed like this day it was pretty windy so maybe they were getting used to that as well so let's go ahead and jump into the second quarter though but after a kansas wesley input Millen does has a chance to score. They have a chance to score, make it a two-score game early on, but Angel Island does throw an interception here that would obviously end the drive and end their hopes of going up by two scores here. And so Kansas Wesleyan, you know, they're trying to find some urgency here, trying to find something here on offense, to be honest with you. And so they go ahead and make them pay for that interception with a very very methodical drive down the field a lot of short plays here that would eventually result in a in an alexis jimenez rushing touchdown off the pitch they wouldn't get the conversion though so it would basically be tied at six to six now on offense here midland would get a nice deep pass plus a penalty that will basically put them into the red zone here once in the red zone, Michaela Nunez at receiver will end this drive with a nice six-yard snag for a touchdown. Uh, this time around, they wouldn't get the conversion uh, again. <laughs> I don't know why I said this time around, but this time around, they wouldn't get the conversion here. Uh, but they would still go up 12-6, to so still can't be mad at that. A lead is a lead here. But um, after that, we have a couple drives in the middle, but on the next possession right before half... Brianna Hernandez Silva does find Kui Wailai, who honestly had a pretty good day this day here. But let's talk about this game here. She finds Wailai four times for 42 receiving yards on this drive alone before completing a pass to Ashley Hawthorne for a touchdown with about 30 seconds left. Uh, they would go ahead and get the conversion thanks to Silva and go up 13 to 12 right before halftime so we have a pretty competitive game pretty close game here like i said i think maybe the wind was a little bit of an equalizer here both teams kind of struggling to find their footing early on but picking it up near the end of uh the first half so so there you go but to start the third quarter and the second half on the first drive here silva finds a wildlife for a Big touchdown reception, making it 20-12 to 12 here. That's the kind of statement that you need coming out of uh, halftime. And so that's what Kansas Wesleyan gets. Midland, on the other hand, would stall out uh, following that touchdown drive by Kansas Wesleyan. And punt after a tough delay of game penalty and a tough sack that Iowa took. And so that drive would basically end because of that. On the next drive, though, Silva would go ahead and run in a touchdown and a conversion on a nice little drive there. Nice methodical little drive, making it 27-12 to 12 here. Um, and then literally right after that, on the next drive here, uh, Silva would actually intercept Angel Iowain on that drive and give Kansas Wesleyan the ball back. And so here in the third quarter, I mean, Kansas Wesleyan scores two touchdowns here and then also gets the ball back to start the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, 
You know, the drive started kind of late in the third, but in the fourth quarter, that drive would end with Silva finding YLI one more time with about 11 minutes, 12 seconds left in the fourth for a touchdown. Marissa Rubino would get the conversion, making it 34 to 12. Geez, uh, since halftime at this point, 21 unanswered points by Kansas Wesleyan against Midland. At this point, Midland would put in Haley Stanton. Who would then throw an interception to YLI, which would basically end this game here. Final score, 34-12. to Kansas Wesleyan beats Midland here. Uh, a couple stats to go over here. Brianna Hernandez-Silva, 18 of 34 for 190 passing yards. Three passing touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, she also had 45 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown. And then on defense, had an interception and a tackle. YLI here. Very good game to basically get Kansas Wesleyan over Midland. But six receptions, 78 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, an interception on defense as well. And then also Kansas Wesleyan's Kendra Monroe of Velasquez also had three sacks and seven tackles. Obviously led both teams in sacks. And then I believe she was up there in tackles as well. Um, something I noticed is that Kansas Wesleyan did not have Angel Roman for this game here. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But anyways, Midland on the other hand, you know, they, they had some, they had a player that put up some pretty nice stats for them. Michaela Nunez had a pretty good day. Four receptions, 104 receiving yards, and receiving touchdown. Uh, I think those are all season, well, maybe not the touchdown, but everything else are season highs, uh, receptions, receiving yards, so there you go. Angel Iowain, not the worst day. I mean, 14 of 25, 207 passing yards. Two touchdowns to three interceptions. Uh, look, we've been critical. You know, she has kind of made a bit of mistakes here. Those might just be growing pains as well. But it kind of looks like right now, I mean, Haley Stanton, she'll, she has to put in a little bit more work to push Iowa in as in uh, this game at least. I mean, you know, Midland, they did go up by a touchdown here. Um, well, they did have the lead a couple of times here, especially in the first half. They just couldn't sustain anything, it seemed like, on offense in the second half as they would not be able to score at all, honestly. And, you know, there are some tough, tough turnovers that happened there as well. And so... I, her job's not, I, I wouldn't necessarily call for a job, but so, someone has to step up at quarterback for Midland here. Just a lot of turnovers, a lot of turnovers. You got to get a little bit more efficient. So there you go. But let's go ahead and talk about Midland versus the University of St. Mary. That was actually the game before this Kansas Wesleyan game here. Going a little bit out of order, but that's okay. So let's go ahead and hop into this game here. Midland versus the University of St. Mary. In the first quarter, a lot of incompletions and probably missed opportunities by both sides here. It was pretty uneventful. I mean, honestly, the first quarter ended 0-0, zero zero, so we don't really have to talk too much about that. We can start in the second quarter here. I think that's when some things happened. Like I said, it was pretty windy, it seemed like. Weather was kind of tough, so I, I feel like both teams were still finding their footing. That's, uh, that's how a lot of these games went, actually. First quarter, not too much happened, at least on this, on this day, April 5th. So there you go. But in the second quarter, uh, St. Mary, near the end of the first quarter, was actually putting together a couple of nice plays um, at the end of that first quarter. This would actually overlap into the second quarter on the same drive. Cheyenne Galbraith found Ashlyn Tuss, Jerrica Johnson, Ellie Campbell a number of times to go ahead and get them into the red zone. 
Once in the red zone, they would cap this methodical drive off with a nice touchdown run by Ashaya Smith with about 11.56 seconds on the clock. Wouldn't get the conversion, but would go ahead and get the lead going up 6-0 to start the second quarter. On the next drive, Midland basically goes three and out there and not able to get a first down and so the spires take over here they get the ball but they're struggling to move as well the drive does end with an incompletion intended for ashland tuss and so just like that ridley gets the ball back like i said some early on struggles a little bit of miscommunication and whatnot as well by both teams on offense but midland finds a spark finally when angel iowin finds michaela nunez on a Big 33-yard reception that would go ahead and put them into the red zone. Once in the red zone, Iowain would run it in herself, tying this game, and then go ahead and get the conversion as well, making it 7-6, leading by one, but still having the lead. Now, the Spires, they try to respond back, but instead they give it back to Midland, who tries to go up for another score here right before the quarter ends. Um, but Ashland Tuss for Midland, or sorry, Ashland Tuss for the University of St. Mary's comes up with a big interception to end that half. And so at halftime, it is 7-6 Midland with the lead. Now going into the third quarter, USM tries to get something going on this first drive, but unfortunately an illegal contact penalty basically kills it uh i mean not like immediately but obviously sets them back a couple yards and then they are just not able to recover there and so midland here they tried to sustain a drive on offense but like i said the struggles continue as well um ends with an incompletion intended for shine duran on a tough fourth and 14 was ruled incomplete there and so the spires take over here now here we go on offense they get something going kind of having a bit of a tough day here definitely a down day here for the university of st mary but they find jerica johnson for 12 yards then ashland tusk for another 13 then a pass interference call really gets this usm team moving here as they basically get uh into midland territory and i believe in the red zone as well and so eventually this drive ends with a nice 11 yard touchdown reception by ashland tuss who absolutely fights for this reception it looks kind of like a jump ball though here but tuss she battles with a db and the refs ruled it a touchdown so there you go there jerica johnson would go ahead and get the conversion for uh the spires making it 13 to 7 and that would be the score going into the fourth quarter here now once in the fourth quarter midland starts with the ball but unfortunately um on a promising drive honestly it ends with iowin throwing another interception to jerica johnson here and so the spires they take over and that would actually set up a touchdown drive where ashland tusk caught two receptions for about 14 yards and then shine galbraith would scramble for 10 yards after that before finding jerica johnson for a touchdown with five minutes and 37 seconds left in the game Johnson will also get the conversion, making it 20-7 to here. Jerrica Johnson putting in a lot of work here in this fourth quarter. Now, back on offense, Midland, they kind of get away. They get a, maybe they don't get away with it, but they get a little bit of a break here as a defensive holding penalty and an illegal contact uh, penalty, both on the University of St. Mary, gives Midland 
a pretty big break here and gives them an opportunity to make it a one score game and they go ahead and take care of this opportunity take advantage of that opportunity as Iowan would go ahead and scramble for a nice 10 yard touchdown followed by Shade Irving getting the conversion making it 20 to 14 a six point game with about three minutes left here in this game now the Spires on the next drive they're just trying to use up as much clock as possible but eventually, they do punt it back to Midland, giving them a chance to either win or at least tie up this game here. And the drive is actually pretty promising as it does start with Sade Irving having a nice little 20-yard rush to get this drive going. But unfortunately, just a couple plays later, this drive does end with Jerrica Johnson coming up with another big interception, this time on a pass intended for Casey Thompson to go ahead and end this game here. The University of St. Mary winning a thriller here, 20-14. Pretty close game, not gonna lie. Um, even for a team not playing their best, but they go ahead and find a way to get it done here. Some stats on the day. Shine Galbraith, the quarterback for the Spires here, went 25 of 37 for 225 passing yards. Two passing touchdowns, also rushed four times for nine yards. Ashlyn Tuss, she is a depoy candidate, but on offense, she gets it done as well. And today, uh, well, at least in this game on offense, she got it done as she snagged 12 receptions for 118 receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. Jerrica Johnson, an absolute playmaker for the Spires here, came up big with nine receptions, 78 receiving yards, a receiving touchdown, three tackles, two interceptions, including the game-winning interception. Or well, actually, both of these interceptions were in the fourth, so there you go there. And then she also had three pass deflections on the day. On the other side, though, you had some struggles here. Angel Iowan, 14 of 25, 119 passing yards, did throw three interceptions, two of those in the fourth quarter. But she did keep Midland in this game, rushing 14 times for 86 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns um other players direct i want to recognize here real quick savannah gonzalez labaron 10 tackles and a tackle for loss for midland and then i believe it's naomi uh rupina tuau i want to say six tackles and four pass deflections for midland so uh altogether this game was definitely one midland could have won just a lot of mistakes, you know, in this fourth quarter. A lot, of, not even just like mistakes, but like turnovers. And you know, whenever you lose that turnover game, you're probably gonna lose the game. I think that's pretty obvious in in any sport, but in football especially, you know, when you have more turnovers than touchdowns, that is never, never a good thing here. And so, like I said, Iowa not playing the greatest, but not necessarily having someone to push her too far out of her spot yet we'll see you know it looks like for now they're gonna stick with angel iowan and maybe adjust the quarterback position in the offseason and i wouldn't blame them i think that would be a pretty smart thing to do but i would also see you know some merit in uh giving Haley stanton maybe a game and seeing what could be done there um but this uh you know this season for midland is ending soon here they play their last game against Cotty college both teams with one win on the season and so uh just just keep that in mind just keep that in mind now the last game i'm gonna talk about uh from this april 5th uh, slate of games here is the university of st mary versus kansas wesleyan this was a thrilling game this was actually the middle game i want to say and so 
I mean, there, there are some pretty big fireworks that went down. Obviously, this is the rematch from the previous week. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into this. Starting in the first quarter, Brianna Hernandez Silva and Kansas Wesleyan taking the field on offense first here. But on the first drive, Jerrica Johnson uh, of the Spires would go ahead and pick her off and give the Spires the football but unfortunately, they could not do too much uh, with it. A lot of this is definitely uh, more so because of great defense than some miscues, I would say. And, you know, just a very strong win as well. And so the first quarter, other than that interception, other than that interception on the first drive is pretty quiet. But in the second quarter is when the fireworks happen here as Cheyenne Galbraith would go ahead and find Caroline Simpson deep on a nice 30-yard reception here. Uh, Caroline Simpson making a nice move after the catch as well, making a defender miss and getting them basically in the red zone about five-ish, maybe four yards away from the end zone here. And so Galbraith would actually end this drive with a little bit of a Houdini act, avoiding multiple defenders for the rushing touchdown here, going ahead and getting the first lead of the game at about the 9 minute 56 second mark here. She would then throw it to Jerrica Johnson. I thought she might have had it here, but I guess they ruled it no good. And so they would not get the conversion. And so the University of St. Mary does take the lead regardless 6-0. to zero. Now Kansas Wesleyan, they are trying to respond back here. They get to midfield. They find themselves in a pretty manageable 4th and 1 situation. But they try to throw the, uh, I want to say it was a hitch route here. And Anaya Hooks would actually jump this hitch route for the University of St. Mary's for an interception and returning at least 15 or so yards for them into Kansas Wesleyan territory. She would also get hurt on uh, that interception as well. And so uh, hopefully she is all good and all that stuff. But the Spires, they take advantage of this and they take over here having a short field to play with. And so on the next play, Shine Galbraith would actually go ahead and take off for a pretty long scramble that basically puts them right on the one and in the red zone officially here. And then this drive would end with Jerrica Johnson with strong hands bringing in a nice slant route here. Very accurate throw by Cheyenne Galbraith for a touchdown reception at 5 minutes and 12 seconds left in this first half here. Galbraith then, then finds Ellie Campbell for the conversion making it 13-0 going up by 2 scores. On the next drive, Kansas Wesleyan, they unfortunately go 3 and out and they punt it. Uh, back to the Spires who are taking advantage of, of the momentum they have right in here. And so right before half, Cheyenne Galbraith, they are in the red zone, I want to say. And she absolutely threads a needle, and I mean a needle, to Caroline Simpson, who comes up with a very nice low catch in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, she threw it into double coverage, basically, maybe almost triple coverage, and just absolutely threaded this one to Caroline Simpson, who just makes a very nice catch as well, as it was a little bit low coming into the back of the end zone here. And so that was huge for the Spires here. A shuffle pass to Ashlyn Tuss would also make this one 20-0. to And so... Basically, that's how the half would end. 
20 to 0 the spires lead over kansas wesleyan looking to upset them just a little bit here you know being up 20 to 0 shine galbraith having an excellent second quarter no turnovers here but two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown already having the hat trick in this game but here we go in the third quarter kansas wesleyan will not stop fighting as they go ahead and stop the spires offense on fourth down and they're around midfield and take over on offense here and rihanna hernandez silva gets the party started with a 20-yard scramble here to get this kansas wesleyan offense moving with some sort of momentum after that she finds angel roman on a short throw that would eventually get them into the red zone it was a nice little hitch curl route here and she uh basically ran it into the red zone here not end zone but red zone here so with a chance to score and a new set of downs and a couple plays later it is third down brianna hernandez silva throws a beautiful strike to the back of the end zone beautiful touchdown though to kui wiley uh, Wiley for a touchdown making it 6-20 to 20. they don't get the conversion here with about 6 minutes 17 seconds left in the third but they get on the board and it is a two score game 6-20 to 20. like I said this was the kind of jump start that Kansas Wesleyan needed not only on offense but as a team and so the Spires they take over on the next drive but though an interception to Brianna Hernandez Silva who makes an excellent diving pick on a very low pass it looks like the pass might have bounced off the Spires receiver as I mean it looked like she was kind of diving for it but she couldn't quite get underneath it and then it just happened to bounce into Silva's hands who was diving for it as well but she gets the interception um and this basically sets them up in the red zone or at least on the edge of the red zone here as Kansas Wesleyan has a chance to cut this to a one score game and so here we go they go ahead and give it to uh, Jada Wilson on an end round for about 10-ish yards not too bad here and then Silva will go ahead throw it down the sideline perfect throw about 30-ish yards here because uh, they would get a penalty that pushed them back to almost midfield. So that's what happened between that end around and this throw. But they would throw it, or Silva would throw it about 30 yards, like I said, down the sideline. Absolutely perfect throw here. It wasn't bad coverage, I would say. It was just a really good play uh, from Silva to Wileye, who goes ahead and snags her second touchdown of the day. Silva will go ahead and scramble it in for the conversion, making it 20-13 to 13 here. And so just like that, Kansas Wesleyan is right back in this game uh, after a couple big plays in the second quarter, thanks to Wileye and Brianna Hernandez-Silva. Now, St. Mary, unfortunately, they just could not get anything going on these next couple of drives here. And so, Kansas Wesleyan actually eventually gets the ball back. And they have an opportunity to score their third touchdown of the quarter. And not just the game, but of the quarter here. But they were stopped short on fourth and goal. Thanks to just really good defense by the Spires defense. And so, uh, St. Mary's, they actually take over on offense on the... It's pretty close on the two or three here. And so that's that's definitely a bit tough. As I gotta, you know, work the way out of this situation to avoid a disaster. And so that's where we pick up in the fourth quarter. They get the stop near the end of the third. And then in the fourth quarter is when the Spires take over and really get it going on offense. But on the first play of the fourth quarter, 
disaster struck as a mishandled snap by the Spires does land into the end zone and leads to a Kansas Wesleyan safety, making it 20-15. to 15. So they don't have the lead yet, but it is 20-15, to 15 and Kansas Wesleyan gets the ball um, on this next drive as the Spires do have to punt it to them. Uh, but... Uh, luckily enough, uh, the Spires defense holds strong here and they don't allow Kansas Wesleyan to score immediately on this next drive. And so uh, the University of St. Mary actually get the ball back with a chance to either use up clock or extend their lead. Either is not bad, honestly. Either is definitely not bad, but they definitely use as much clock as possible. They reach midfield here, but they stall out once again punting it back to Kansas Wesleyan where Brianna Hernandez Silva had an excellent return that would basically put them into Spires territory and so that's where they would set up here and so on this drive here Silva gets it started per usual with a nice little scramble for about 10 yards and a first down here after that Silva would run that speed option Eventually, she pitches it to Kendra Velasquez uh, Monroe. Sorry, I, I believe I've been saying those uh, that last name wrong there. So, it's uh, Velasquez Monroe here. But she pitches it to her. She goes ahead and gets them into the red zone on some nice running. But a couple plays later, it's fourth down. And they run that same speed option play. Um, pitching it to uh, Velasquez Monroe one more time. Who goes ahead and punches this one in for the touchdown to take the lead here now they wouldn't get the conversion um part of it was thanks to a nice caroline simpson deflection on this conversion try and so they would only lead 21 to 21 point with about five minutes left in the game and so here we go the spires they have five minutes to work with to win this game a touchdown wins it and so they're trying to use up as much clock as possible not give kansas wesley too much time here to work with while also obviously scoring to 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 win here and so on this next drive they're moving down the field um pretty well here especially after finding ellen campbell on a third down to go ahead and cross into kansas wesleyan territory i want to say for for the first time since I want to say for the first time since the first half here as they have stalled out at around midfield a couple of times in the second half and so that was pretty big finding Ellie Campbell there to go ahead and get that first down and cross them into Coyotes territory once their tip pass on second puts the University of St. Mary in a tough third and long situation here it's about maybe third and 15 something like that but Cheyenne Galbraith on third down would go ahead and scramble for 10 plus yards at least making it about a fourth and two for the Spires and this is after the two minute warning here and so I'm just putting that uh, as uh, as context but after that, it is fourth and two. Shine Galbraith runs a power option, flips it to Jerrica Johnson, who gets the first down with about a minute 30 seconds left. I believe at this point they are also in the red zone. And so they have four, they have at least four plays here to go ahead and score and take this lead. And so on second down, Galbraith, she takes off, scrambles around, and on the run tries to throw it to a wide open Ashlyn Tuss here, but the ball is definitely thrown a bit behind her, and is actually almost intercepted by Kansas Wesleyan here. Almost ended the game, actually. 
but they, they they luck out here, and so instead they have a third and long situation. Definitely a little bit of a missed opportunity to make it a shorter, you know, a shorter sitch for them. Uh, also, at this point, there's about a minute six seconds left in the game. Now, here on the next play, Galbraith does find Jerrica Johnson on a nice slant that would basically put them inside the 10. They're either on the 8 or 9 yard line here, but this would bring up a 4th down with about 45 seconds left in the game. That's when uh, the University of St. Mary go ahead and call a timeout to figure out what they want to run here. They're about 8 or 9 yards away, and so they have to score here. Obviously, if they don't score, then the game is over and Kansas Wesleyan wins. And so here we go with a chance to win this game coming out of the timeout. You have two receivers to Shine Goldberg's right. They had three, I want to say they were running trips on the left side, but then they go ahead and, um, you know, they, they go ahead and motion somebody into that second blocking role right next to the center so that they have two blockers blocking the run rusher. And on this play here, Galbraith, she rolls out right, and then she eventually takes off trying to get the touchdown. She does reach out, but she is definitely stopped about three or four yards short, and that's how Kansas Wesleyan won. Now, I had to watch this play a couple times, and so here's kind of how I broke it down here. Um, look, I would personally not call this play. And I watched it a couple times, and also I understand it's it's 4th and 9. You know, you don't have a ton of situations for this. Plus, I mean, you know, it's 4th and 9 basically on the goal line here. And so you gotta score. And so there's not a lot of room, I understand that. But I just wasn't the biggest fan of the play calling. So here's kind of how it broke down here. So like I said, uh, going into this play, they had trips left. They motioned one of those receivers out to be an extra blocker. Now, I, I don't know if I would have done that. I would have rather had extra receivers potentially and all that. But I do understand you don't want the game to end on a sack because your blocker wasn't quite able to handle the pass rush. You want to give your passer as much time as possible. And so, so I get that, you know, um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not hating the extra blocker, but maybe you could have done without it. And then on the right side, you had two receivers. The outside receiver, Ashlyn Tusk, basically ran a curl that got them, That I mean, after she ran the route, she was basically just standing right at the front of the end zone here, or right inside the end zone, and then Caroline Simpson, who was inside of her in that slot, basically ran a hitch, so it was even shorter, it wasn't in the red zone, and so you had two receivers who basically like ran the route and stopped. And so you kind of have those DBs and man-to-man. -man. They're right on top of them. And so when Galbraith scrambles out right here, you have both defenders that are with the receivers basically waiting for her at the, at the goal line there. And I, at the last second, you know, it looks like Caroline Simpson actually peels out for a minute as Galbraith approaches the line of scrimmage. I kind of wonder if, you know, Cheyenne didn't, necessarily like you know scrambled right away if she waited a half second you know if if simpson would have been open because it looked like she flared open for a minute there but also part of it was because her defender was coming up to go ahead and tackle or yeah to tackle uh, the quarterback 
Regardless, though, spacing was just kind of weird here. The left side, I mean, she was rolling out right, so throwing left across her body wasn't going to be a good idea unless it was wide open. And it just wasn't, in my opinion, it just wasn't the greatest play. Uh, that's at least how I see it now. It is possible that this could have been a designed quarterback run, which I would have hated even more because <laughs> it is fourth and nine. And you should probably have a couple passing options maybe some sort of rpo here and so i don't necessarily blame the spires here maybe galbraith could have waited but also she was sensing the pressure another half second wouldn't have been guaranteed you know the pass rusher was blocked at that moment but it looked like she was about to get free and so i don't know i don't know what else the spires could have done here i mean like i said not many plays you could call on fourth and nine but at best you gotta i mean you know, you got, you got to get your receivers in motion here. They can't stand in one spot and crowd a part of the end zone, especially when you're running to that part of the end zone. So, so there you go. Uh, kind of a tough go here. Like I said, the Spires had a chance to win it, but they couldn't. And so the Kansas Wesleyan Coyotes go ahead and beat the University of St. Mary in this great matchup here, 21-20, to completing a 20-point comeback here. I believe that is the largest deficit. The largest deficit any team has came back from uh, this season and maybe all time so far here. 20 points is a lot, especially in flag football. Because flag football rules are obviously different from football rules. The game is a, is a bit faster and whatnot. And so... For them to come back from down 20 points, they like literally the Spires were up 20 to 0. That is big time. That's a huge confidence booster as Kansas Wesleyan would actually, uh, you know, come out of this day here 2 0 here, beating both the Spires and Midland ahead of their last game of the season against Ottawa. So we're going to see, you know, is this going to be enough confidence and momentum to carry them into a tough game against the defending national champs and potentially dethrone the conference champs as well. But you just got to keep in mind, Ottawa, you know, they've had a week or so of rest, you know, at this point. Kansas Wesleyan, they've played three games in about a week. So... We're just going to have to see how this goes here. But very, very good game by Kansas Wesleyan here. Unfortunately for the Spires, uh, this one just kind of got away from them in the third quarter. They just couldn't score. You know, they were just struggling on offense. Obviously, this Kansas Wesleyan defense was playing lights out, doing a great job. But there are definitely a couple plays that the Spires maybe could have wanted back here uh, that would have prevented this from happening. But... Like I said, Kansas Wesleyan does beat the University of St. Mary 21-20. Up next, though, we do have arguably our game of the week on April 7th. I'm talking Thomas versus Kaiser, a.k.a. the rematch. Obviously, if you remember, very early on in the season, back in week one, Thomas and Kaiser was the opening game, and Thomas at home came away with the upset dub over the defending Sun Conference champs in Kaiser. Here, a couple weeks later, Thomas did go ahead and upset Ottawa. Kaiser has been on a heat streak, basically burning every team in their way. And so going into this game, uh, both teams has a win streak of over five dubs in a row. So let's go ahead and hop into this one here. 
in the first quarter. Roden on the run takes a shot to Allison Goolsby. Um, she is wide open, by the way. This is the first play of the game. But unfortunately, she could not bring in the ball here. Also, they call a hold on this uh, play anyways. And so that is tough. After that, the next couple plays are just a couple misfires. And so they go three and out, not being able to recover from that penalty there as well. Now... On this punt, though, Kaiser just, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe the ball slipped or something like that, but it was just a very bad punt. Delva actually just, I mean, she catches this one and then walks it two or three steps forward, and then they're in the red zone already, and so that's where Thomas would actually start their first drive on offense. And so here we go. They're going with Keanu Aikol at quarterback that was their original strategy in that first game they kind of ran the ball a lot against kaiser not trying to give them too many opportunities and also trying to use up as much of the clock as possible whenever possible and so equal here she takes it 12 yards inside the 10 on a nice quarterback rush on the direct snap after that, Aikol does find Brittany Delva for a nice five-yard touchdown reception. She basically backpedals into the end zone to go ahead and give Thomas the first lead of the game. They don't get the conversion, but they keep the lead here at 6-0 with about 8 minutes, 24 seconds left in this matchup. Now, Kaiser back on offense, trying to get something going here. Um, it is third down. I believe Roden was trying to pitch it forward uh, to one of her receivers, but Sanaya Glover makes an excellent play, almost intercepts this pitcher. She kind of tips it and then tries to tip it to herself a second time um, on third and one, but it falls incomplete. It just gets a little bit too far away from her there. And so here we go. It is fourth and one for Kaiser. They decide to go for it. And so they call up a slant route to Chloe Griffin, who makes a a very strong catch against uh, a very good one-on-one -on -one defense they're definitely contesting that one but she makes a strong catch to go ahead and give kaiser a little bit of something to work with uh on this drive here and give them some momentum as well a couple short plays later plus a 10-yard penalty on thomas would go ahead and get kaiser into thomas territory but right after that happens right after they cross into thomas territory jasmine roden aiming over the middle, trying to find Kennedy Foster, who hasn't gotten a pass yet uh, so far in this game. Janae Scott goes ahead and jumps this route and returns it about 50 yards to the house for a pick six. She went ahead and she would juke out Roden, who tried to grab her flag. It almost looked like she got it, but she just barely missed. And then from there, she just turned on the Jets. 99 speed. Like I said, to the house for a touchdown. Now, on the conversion, Aiko would find uh, Pena, Margarita Pena, for the conversion, taking a 13-0 lead with about 2 minutes and 33 seconds left. Now, I'm just going to be real. Whenever you go down by 2 scores to Thomas, that is a bad, bad situation to be in. Thomas has rarely blown a two-score lead. I don't think they've ever blown a two-score lead. Granted, this is their first year, but th that's how good this team is. Defensively, they're going to make you fight for every yard. Offensively, they're going to bleed out the clock. They're probably the best in the country at clock management, so just keep that in mind. Now, Kaiser, you know, they're trying to bounce back. They did cross into Thomas' territory, but at a cost, and that was a pick six here, and so they're trying to bounce back, but instead, they go three and out couple missed opportunities here. Uh, they did have a wide open post route on second down, 
but it was aired out just a little bit too far uh, on that throw. And so basically they would end up punting it. Uh, Acol would actually return this punt herself. She'd tip it herself and then just barely get them to Kaiser territory to start this Thomas drive. And then that's when the first quarter ends. Here to start out the second quarter though, on the second play, of this quarter, Maria Vega gets a huge interception and also pitches it to, um, well, I didn't see who the other defender was, but she gets the pick, she pitches it to her teammate, and uh, that person gets them into Thomas territory here. Kind of giving Kaiser a little bit of a break, the break they need to get this thing going, working with a short field here. And so Kaiser takes advantage of that and get into the red zone thanks to a nice play um a pitch to emma wagonman after uh that receiver caught the slant route and so they're in the red zone here then jasmine Roden does find chloe griffin on a nice 10 yard gain making it second and goal then Roden checks it down to wagonman who gets another five yards making about third and five third and six from the goal line and then on this third down here, Roden does aim for Chloe Griffin on the slant. She's on the run, and she's throwing the slant route. Uh, but it's just great pass defense here, in my opinion, uh, in a one-on-one on the slant. And so that goes ahead and forces a fourth down here. Now, this is the smart move to make by the coach here uh, from Kaiser. They go ahead and call a timeout with about 6 minutes 54 seconds before this fourth down play to talk about it here. And look, at, at this point, I'm thinking, hey, maybe, you know, you find Kennedy Foster on a, you know, 101 little fade route here. Um, but also, I was thinking that on third down, maybe you try to get Kennedy Foster in 101 twice. And ideally, she would come down with one of those here. And so, that's that, that was just my thought process, though. It was just my opinion. And so, here we go. On fourth down, it is a fade route to Kennedy Foster. She's one-on-one with Nakara Brown of Thomas. And Nakara Brown wins this one. Just plays excellent defense. As good as you could play on a fade route. Textbook defense gets a nice little pass deflection here. Uh, stops this Kaiser drive and gives Thomas the ball back. Now, Thomas, they have a chance to not only run out some of this clock, but go up by three scores. I think that's where they want to be ideally. But unfortunately, there is a mishandled snap on third down that absolutely hurts them, pushes them back about five plus yards or so. And so that eventually results in a Thomas Three and out a Thomas punt here. And Kennedy Foster actually returns this punt um, just barely into Thomas territory here, giving, you know, Kaiser another kind of shorter field to work with here. But on the first play of this drive, Roden, she's looking up the seam. I don't know if she's looking for Foster or for somebody else, but it doesn't matter as Brittany Dove was basically waiting for it. And she intercepts this pass on that first play of the Kaiser drive and so at this point you know definitely some frustrations leaking out from this kaiser team and it's not that they're playing bad you know thomas is just playing really really well on defense and kind of you know kind of frustrating them just a little bit here but unfortunately it's the thomas offense that is not exactly holding up their end of the bargain here as they do throw an interception it, it looked like a double pass so they passed it to somebody and then that person was trying to pass it to another receiver and for a second 
it looked like it was open, but Sydney Woodman of Kaiser just plays this ball very well, tips the ball to herself for a nice interception. Also takes kind of a little bit of a tough hit on that <laughs> on that interception as well, but holds on to it and uh, gets Kaiser the ball back. And that was on the first play of Thomas's drive. So kind of a wild, you know, one or two minutes here uh, <laughs> in the game. But regardless, you know, Kaiser still ends up with the ball in Thomas territory with a chance to score before the first half ends. And so the two minute warning would hit before Kaiser could get going. They're in the red zone this time here. Roden, after the two minute warning, does find Emma Wagaman, who's putting in work, by the way. Uh, she gets them inside the 10. And then in, uh, I believe that makes a third and goal with less than a minute left. After that, Roden checks it down to Wagenman again, who gets them about four yards, um, or gets them to the four, sorry, on a short gain. So yeah, more or less four yards here. And so Kaiser, they basically run down the clock to about a second left in this first half here. It is fourth down, so they basically guarantee that this is the last play of the half, whether they get the touchdown or not here. And so finally... After a little bit of struggling here, after uh, this timeout, Jasmine Roden does find Kennedy Foster on an open slant route for the touchdown. And like I said, that is the last play of the half. They go ahead and run the conversion here, but Janae Scott uh, gets just a great deflection here on the check down. And that makes it a 13-6 game. Thomas still in the driver's seat here, but Kaiser finding something to work off of going into the second half. And in the second half, it starts raining. And it's... It, like, varies. Like, you know when you're watching, you know, a game and whatnot, and it starts raining, and you can see the rain, that on the field it's probably raining a lot harder than it looks. And it kind of varies throughout the second half. So that's just something to keep in mind. Like, this rain is pretty constant throughout the rest of the second half here. And so here we go. Thomas has the ball. Uh, Shelby Hartley is in at quarterback, and she completes a pass for the first down for Thomas University, but a couple plays later, they find themselves in a third and long thanks to some pretty good defense by this Kaiser team. Hartley, she checks it down to Brittany Devil for a, a solid gain of five or so, but obviously that is not enough, and so they go ahead and punt it to Kaiser. Now Jasmine Roden in the offense taking over here. Roden finds Emma Wagaman for a nice 10-yard gain to start the drive. And first down, it looks like here that Thomas is, you know, pretty pretty happy with just allowing Kaiser to take their checkdowns, letting them run off the clock. As long as they don't make any big plays, Thomas is happy for the most part here. And so they're letting Kaiser have some of these shorter gains, um, you know, obviously so that they don't get the big gains here. Well, anyways, after that Wagonman 10 uh, yard gain, they go ahead and pass the ball to Chloe Griffin a couple times. That brings up a third and short type of situation. Now, it okay, 
I wrote down third and short, and it was definitely third and short, but the down marker is definitely set fourth down, and so that's, uh, yeah, I was, I was like, uh-oh, you know, that might have been a lost down there, somebody might have made a mistake, because uh, I was a little confused about that. But it doesn't matter, as Kaiser would get the first down, Adriano Rodriguez going in and stretching out and getting that first down. So that controversy did not happen, uh, basically. But anyways, a couple of drop passes later, you could really see the rain kind of affecting maybe some of these receivers a little bit more than usual here. Uh, Kaiser finds themselves in a third and 19 situation. Now, on this third and 19, Jasmine Roden does take a shot deep. And from, from the looks of it, and I've played quarterback before, this has happened. And so that's why I say because of the looks of it. But from from the looks of it, it looks like the ball slips out of her hand just a little. And if you're a quarterback and, you know, the ball slips out of your hand when, you know, it's wet outside and all that, that obviously affects how far the ball is going. Because this ball was a bit underthrown and Keanu Aikul actually almost picks this one off because it was underthrown and Jasmine Roden really isn't a quarterback to underthrow passes like that and so that's a little bit of a missed opportunity because the receiver wasn't 101 at least it looked like it and so eventually Kaiser does punt it back to Thomas with about a minute 40 left on the clock uh, Kaiser kind of using a uh, a bit of the clock on that drive that resulted in no points. They used almost 10 minutes of game time, uh, more or less uh, 10 minutes of game time on that drive alone. And so, you know, Thomas was letting Kaiser do what they want uh, for the most part until they basically stopped them. And so that's just excellent planning by Thomas there. And so right before we go into the fourth quarter. Hartley does find Brittany Devil for another short five-yard gain and a first down. And then from there, Thomas goes ahead and lets the clock runs out as they enter the fourth quarter. Now, in the fourth quarter, it is third and one for Thomas University. And it is Pellegrino of Kaiser who applies the pressure onto Shelby Hartley and gets a huge sack for Kaiser, making it fourth and 11 instead of fourth and one. And so basically backed up uh, near their own goal line, uh, Thomas obviously decides to go ahead and punt this one. And so they punt it, get a solid, Kaiser gets a solid little return to about, well, it's definitely past midfield, but they are now in Thomas territory again but this time jasmine Roden, the ball does not slip as she takes a shot deep on one of the first plays of this drive and finds kennedy foster who just wins her matchup 101 just sprinting out there for a 30 yard touchdown burner foster just making a great play here in 101 and getting kaiser really back into this game now this would be pretty key here as kaiser would obviously you know go for the extra point here but would not get the conversion thanks to really good defense by thomas and so thomas actually still leads this game 13 to 12 with about 10 minutes left and so you know, this is definitely a winnable game for Kaiser, but also Thomas does have the ability to run out the rest of this clock if they need to. So if you're Kaiser, you got to score as soon as possible and then you just go from there. And so here we go on 
defense now. Kaiser's on defense. Thomas is on offense. Kaiser actually just plays excellent defense, not allowing Thomas to break off any long runs. They basically call three straight run plays. Like I said, it's raining out here, and so you don't want the ball to slip out or anything fluky to happen here. And so they go conservative here. But Kaiser played great defense. They don't allow really any yards on any of these runs. Maybe one yard a run here. But other than that, they basically force a three and out. And so Kaiser is set back up at midfield with about seven minutes left in this game. And so here we go. Jasmine Roden rolls out. Uh, but Jada Reese of Thomas actually gets the sack for about a loss of two. Jada Reese being one of the sack leaders in the entire country, if I'm not mistaken there. Making a big play for Thomas. And so after that, Jasmine Roden would then flip it to her center. But Janae Scott would go ahead and make a nice play here. Not letting the player go far. And so this eventually sets up a third and one situation. But it does not matter as Roden does find her check down. Her running back, Emma Wagaman, for the first down. Who goes ahead and gets them into Thomas territory here. And so here we go. They're in Thomas territory. Um, Roden, she's wanting to take another deep shot here. And so, and so she does and takes her shot to Kennedy Foster down the sideline. Who's in 101. But Sanaya Glover of Thomas just plays this ball excellently and gets a huge interception and in one-on-one and, -on -one and shuts down another Kaiser drive here. So another drive where they use a little bit of time but come up empty. And so Thomas just playing great defense here. I believe that is Roden's third interception of the game here. And so here we go. Thomas has the ball. Uh, there's, I, I got a little bit confused about what happened here, but uh, after the they run a play, they call the refs must have called a penalty on Thomas, and so that pushes them back ten yards. Don't know what the penalty was, but regardless, they are pushed back ten yards from where they started. So there you go there. Uh, and at this point, Kaiser they're trying to use timeouts before this two minute warning and all that, and then obviously limit Thomas from you know, running out the clock and getting a bunch of yardage here. And Thomas at this point is almost exclusively calling runs and short passes here. I don't know if they necessarily trust to pass in this type of weather. And so I kind of understand it. But like I said, Kaiser's calling timeouts. They call a timeout at the two minute 47 second mark. After that, you know, after an uh, Keanu Aikol run, they call a timeout at the two minute 37 second mark. At that point, it's third and 22 for Thomas. Thomas tries a double pass, um, so, okay, so they try a double pass here, uh, with Kiana Akel passing it, trying to throw it to Kiara Knight, but she is stopped a lot short of the conversion, she wasn't really close to getting the first down here, but they do get a couple more yards here, and so they go ahead and punt it. But on the punt, Aiko is punting it. It is partially blocked by Kaiser's Adriana Rodriguez, who comes up big. And, you know, this punt doesn't go as far as they want. And so Kaiser's return people basically field this thing and then gets them pretty close. Well, they're in Thomas territory, but pretty close into red zone territory here. And that's with about two minutes left in this game. And so here we go. You know, this game is probably going to be won on this drive here and so after a short play to Emma Wagenman they go ahead and stop the clock at a minute 50 seconds here 
After that, Jasmine Roden does find Allison Goolsby on a nice 10-yard pass, but Goolsby, she gets knocked down by a defender, and so the penalties throw a flag on Thomas, and that basically moves them into the red zone with about a minute 43 left on the clock. And so at this point, they are 12 yards away from the goal line, a new set of downs with a chance to win. If they score, they win, basically here. Uh, well, if they score, they take the lead, and then, you know, if Thomas has time, then we'll go from there. But, before anything could happen, there is a lightning delay. And honestly, at this point, it has to be fate. <laughs> um, whether it goes for either Thomas or Kaiser, you know, we'll see. I am recording this almost in real time here, and so we're about... 10-ish minutes away, 5-ish minutes away from getting this game restarted. And so, once it starts, I mean, I'll I'll let the game end, and then I'll talk about what happens here. <sighs> Alright, the, the game is over. I am going to talk about the rest of it here, but definitely a little interesting. So, here we go. After the lightning delay, it's been about, it's been a couple hours for sure uh, at the moment here, but uh, we're back at it, and on the first play of this drive here, or, or well, of this, I guess, set of downs here, Jasmine Roden actually runs it in 13 yards for a touchdown, like I said, on the first play, and the lead, this is the first lead Kaiser has had all game, uh, she tries to throw it to Foster on the conversion, but it is deflected, and so for now, Kaiser leads 18 to 13 with about a minute 36 seconds left for Thomas, who does need to drive basically the whole field and score, which they really haven't done yet today. Today, they've kind of gotten lucky with a couple of short fields here starting at midfield or better. And so here we go. Shelby Hartley at quarterback for Thomas here finds Kiara Knight on a, frankly, a jump ball here, but Knight makes a great play and catches it for about 20 yards and a first down. Uh, at that moment, there's about a minute, 28 seconds left. At this point, I don't quite know what the penalty was here, but they throw a penalty on Kaiser that basically pushes Thomas into Kaiser territory now, so there you go there. After that, Shelby Hartley does take a shot downfield, but Sydney Woodman for Kaiser just makes an excellent play in 101 and deflects it with about 55 seconds left. After that, though, Hartley does find a receiver over the middle for a very nice first down here. It was about a 10-plus yard completion with about 49 seconds left in this game. After that, Hartley does take a shot into the end zone, trying to find uh, Giselle Jones here, who does catch the ball, but is ruled out by the refs. And so, this is where it gets kind of interesting here. Uh, well, after, well, before that, Hartley on the run tries to find Brittany Delva again, but it is an incomplete. And so, at this point, it is about 3rd and 20 with about 33 seconds left. Hartley drops back, then she finds Delva again, and then Delva pitches it to a uh, to another receiver, I think, who gets a couple more yards. Like, not just like one or two, but at least three or four or so. At least it seems like. And this, this is why that was a little controversial, because at the time, the announcer said, oh, it was a forward pass, it was a forward pass, and he was going on and on about it. And I, at the time, I was like, ah, okay, you know I, I, know, I I don't know, like, I know he's Kaiser's announcer and all that, but I did go back once the game was over and watch this play a couple of times, 
And honestly, it's tough to tell. In the moment, obviously, uh, the, the refs, they don't have instant replay, so they're going off of what they saw. And I'm just gonna be honest, looking at the stream, it looks a lot like the pass was for it. You see where Delva is, you see where, you know, the ball goes and all that, where the other receiver catches it. It looks like it's in front. But I'm just gonna say looks like because, honestly, you're watching this play happen probably over again on the stream. And it looks like that. And look, with the field and with the camera, angles could be real tough to make out. Especially angles like that. That's, ugh, when it comes to pitches and you know, whether it's forward or backwards, it could definitely be a little problematic there. And so, in my opinion, I would rather trust the people who are on the field than my own eyes. And so, the refs go ahead and they, I mean, they say, you know, it wasn't a forward pass and... Uh, I mean, she didn't get the touchdown or anything anyways, and so, basically, it brings up a fourth and seven here. Thomas goes ahead and calls a timeout because they want to talk about it, understandable, you know, figure out what you want to do here. And so, fourth and seven here, Hartley drops back, finds Nakara Brown on a very, very nice route here. She catches it, brings it in, and just like that, Thomas takes the lead, 19 to 18. Doesn't really matter if they get the conversion or not. At this point, there's like 21 seconds on the clock. And, I mean, what's one point compared to two? There's no field goals in flag football. So, it, it kind of doesn't matter. Kaiser needs a touchdown regardless. And so, Thomas, they don't get the conversion. So, they lead 19 to 18. Kaiser, they try to get something going. Rodin finding Foster a couple times here. Uh, they tried that little pitch game at the end. But, it is no good. And Thomas gets away with a dub beating Kaiser 19 to 18. Now, look, I don't want to talk about that controversy too much here. I'm just going to say it just looked like that. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, if Kaiser wanted to win this game, they probably should have completed an extra point because they didn't complete any extra points. On top of that, you know, they also threw three interceptions on offense, and that's not including conversions. Um, not that they picked off any of those balls on those conversions anyways. And so, just a lot of disruption. I mean, the Kaiser offense probably could have played a cleaner game. You could attribute a little bit of the weather, but at the end of the day, I mean, there are more than a couple situations as to why Thomas won this thing. Thomas, they played a good game. You know, going up big, love to see that. Well, going up by two scores, I don't know if that's big, but to them, that's big because they could run out the rest of the clock, and that's just their brand, you know, and so... And then they also show that they could drive down the field and score when needed as well. Hartley, just an excellent last drive, to be honest with you, and so Thomas definitely deserved this dub, uh, to be fair. I'm sure someone will see it another way. That's fine, but, I mean, it is also a regular season game. It's probably not the last time we see Thomas versus Kaiser. Hopefully not this year. A round three would be pretty good here, especially if it is at Nationals. Um, e you know, either Nationals or the Sun Conference, either one would be pretty good here. But anyways, Thomas does take this one. A thriller, by the way. An instant classic even. 19-18. to 18. Next up here, we have Warner versus Florida Memorial. Now, to be honest, we couldn't find the stream. Uh, it seemed like there's some problems with the weather going on, and so that's fine. Plus, there's some delays as well. Uh, just very windy and rainy. Kind of a tough uh, weather day here in Florida, and so, you know, that's just part of it. And you know, these teams, they played through it, for well, for the most part here. 
But basically, uh, the recap that we got, and shout out to Warner for providing us with some of this information, but the recap um, that we have for this is kind of short here. Warner did beat Florida Memorial 20-7 to here. Um, Trinity Kieran for Warner had a very nice punt return of over 50 yards for a touchdown, plus two very long touchdown receptions uh they say one was about 70 yards and the other was around 40 to 50 range there and yeah there you go there that was basically how the game went uh, looking like warner won off of some pretty big splash plays here and florida memorial not well, I mean, improving each week. I mean, holding Warner to 20 points, it's never a bad thing. This was a two-score game here as well as, um, you know, Warner did win 20-7. to And so, like I said, look out for that Florida Memorial. Defensively, they've been pretty solid. They have a lot of very good athletes over there. Offensively, it's more about trying to get something going and whatnot and staying consistent with it. And so, uh, big props to Florida Memorial, but obviously, congrats to Warner for grabbing a quick dub over there. I also want to just throw out there that there was a lightning delay, I believe, for this game as well. On top of it, uh, just, just being tough for football altogether. So, so yeah. Now, the next game we're going to talk about is St. Thomas versus Weber. If you remember last week, St. Thomas got a pretty big dub. Uh, man, completing a Hail Mary to win uh, a game against Warner at the very last second. Rayona Baker grabbing that touchdown and grabbing them that win as well. And then we got Weber, you know, who has been kind of on a heat streak here since, uh, I want to say, halfway through the season. Basically, since they beat Ottawa and all that. And so kind of what we were looking for in this game if Weber wanted to move move up in the standings they gotta beat St. Thomas here because St. Thomas even though they did kind of have a closer game last week still against a good Warner team it would have definitely went a long way if they got a pretty convincing win against a talented Weber squad out here as they are still trying to excuse me find some consistency uh, on offense with their quarterback Yolkowski. And so here we go. Let's go ahead and hop into this here. So uh, I'm just going to throw this out there. Weather, Like I said, weather all over the state was tough. The stream would actually go out around halftime. And then uh, we, we couldn't find it from there. And so shout out to St. Thomas for providing us with some of these stats and what happened here at the end. But basically, this first half was pretty quiet for the most part. Um, you know... To start this game, Weber would be on offense here, and they would be basically running that two-quarterback offense with Sam Wilson and Sierra Harris. Uh, Sierra Harris had a nice 20-yard scramble to get them into St. Thomas territory. They will then complete a nice fourth and short situation uh, while St. Thomas would jump off sides. And then that's how they would uh, convert that fourth down to go ahead and get into the red zone here. But... DJ Paris would go ahead and get a pretty big sack for St. Thomas on first down. And so that would kind of shake Weber up just a little bit. Now, I'm going to be completely honest. At this point, the stream glitched or something. But it was obvious that St. Thomas uh, got some sort of interception because they're on the other side of the field uh, with the ball. And so I would assume it was probably some sort of turnover that happened here. But we did see... 
in time uh we were watching the stream we did see that yokowski did find paris for a nice gain of a couple yards to go ahead and kind of get them into the red zone get closer to the end zone here but it would be rayona baker scoring a touchdown to go ahead and end this drive and tyler bryant getting the conversion to take a seven to zero lead now after this <clears throat> basically what we would see is a lot of punts back and forth um just some tough situations and some missed opportunities to be honest here and there but weber they would punt it back to st thomas after that score uh st thomas would go ahead and punt it back to weber after a false start penalty kind of stalled out that drive um weber would then get the ball back they would punt it back to st thomas so definitely after a couple dropped pass well after a dropped pass in some very short plays here now right before half ended though right before the first half ended here in the second quarter uh, julian yukowski does take a very nice shot to destiny francois um for a nice 30-ish yard reception here that goes ahead and puts them in the red zone now unfortunately this is where the stream cut off and i mean we wouldn't see what happened but st thomas will not be able to score and they would actually go into halftime with a seven to zero lead now following the rest of this recap here it's going to be made up of updates that we've gathered from social media and messages from coaches uh from the looks of it it looks like weber scored a touchdown here in the third quarter because going into the fourth quarter at least according to the saint thomas uh twitter here they were leading seven to six over weber before having a pretty big quarter here in this last quarter uh rayona baker would end up scoring a touchdown at around the 10 minute mark making it 13 to 7 kaylee miller for them would have a pretty big interception to put stu back on offense uh destiny francois i assume would go ahead and score another touchdown to make it a two score game and probably out of hand here with about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter and then at the end saint thomas would win this one uh with a with the final of 25 to six here getting a pretty big conference dub here some stats i want to go over here real quick um joel zakowski 17 of 29 165 passing yards three passing touchdowns nice little hat trick there rayona baker two touchdown receptions here destiny francois three catches 72 yards and a touchdown reception tyler bryant she got a touchdown and an extra point like uh, we mentioned earlier on miranda faradez six flagpole six tackles an interception a pass deflection putting in work there kaylee miller uh nine tackles a interception and a pass deflection dj paris two sacks three pass deflections and then to shumble washington uh one of your depoy candidates snagging another interception in another dub here as st thomas would go ahead and win a big game a statement game even over weber 25 two six all right now let's talk week eight power ranking so this is as of april 7th and so this is based off of all the games from april 1st to april 7th plus obviously the games in the past weeks here now myself and cody uh we basically have all the same rankings we actually talked this one out together and there wasn't too much that we disagreed on here and so the power rankings i'm about to read out here are both 
once I mean Cody mutually agreed on there really wasn't too much discussion here to be completely honest with you but at number one and this is a very very strong number one we have Thomas University uh, Cody said after playing phenomenal defense Thomas allowed 18 unanswered points in the pouring rain in dramatic fashion to a surging team and quarterback who bounced back from a pick six to put Kaiser in a position to win with a little over a minute and a half left in the game before a game-winning drive kept the Nighthawks here at number one. Despite being dormant for most of the game, the Nighthawk offense showed up when it mattered and it never hurts when your defense finds pay dirt as well. So there you go. That's why they're at one. For me here, I have them at one. I think it's obvious. I mean, they played a very good game. Yes, Kaiser did kind of come back here. But honestly, this Thomas defense is built different. You know, we were what or well, we I was watching them play and whatnot. And man, just the way they scheme on defense, the amount of film work that you know that they're putting in because you see them recognizing certain you know, certain patterns in each offense, especially this Kaiser offense, that's kind of, that's next level, that's more than next level at this point, I mean, they're, they're predicting, not only are they giving them problems and causing turnovers and stopping them, I mean, they're predicting what they're doing next for the most part, and honestly, whenever you go down by two scores to Thomas, that is a tough, and I mean tough, deficit to come from almost impossible to be honest with you like i said thomas has not lost a single game this season where they led by two scores they have not now granted they have lost only one game and that was to uh saint thomas i believe here you know at the last second in overtime or actually double overtime i want to say but other than that i mean thomas they do a good job at playing good defense and then they control the rock and control the clock and they just do a very good job of that now if i'm going to be completely honest with you my only concern about this thomas team was all right if thomas needed a score if they needed a game-winning drive can this offense get it done? You know, can this offense get it done? Because they do put a lot of emphasis on defense and, you know, putting their team and especially their offense in better positions by playing good defense and better situations. But I just wanted to see straight up if they were given like a two minute drill, can they get it done? And this showed me that they can. Shelby Hartley, oh my goodness, impressing me a lot. I, I knew that she could do this stuff. I knew she was clutch and all that. But this drive was arguably one of the best drives I've ever seen from a quarterback. Uh, arguably. That that first pass to, uh, who was it? Oh my gosh. Knight, sorry, Kiara Knight. Uh, th that was definitely risky because Knight made just an excellent play. They're going up for it and coming down with it, most importantly. And so that that was maybe the only play I was like, eh, don't throw that. I I don't I don't know. Other than that, flawless. And then obviously her skill players doing a very good job there. Britt Delva. I mean, look, you know, I like I said, it looked like it looked like it was a forward pass. I'm just gonna go ahead and trust the people who are on the field. I feel like that makes the most sense. But regardless, pitching it was a smart thing to do there rather than staying there and maybe not getting those three or four yards. Because when you're in a goal line situation or when you're in a situation where you need to score here, every yard matters. And so that was a great heads up play by her. And so offensively, I was very, 
very impressed here. You know, I, I wonder if they do get into a shootout, which I don't see them getting into anytime soon. You know, if this offense could hold up. But that's, I mean, that's just getting nitpicky at this point. I think Thomas, they are a legit number one. And with that being said, they're, I mean, they're the team that everyone's going to be targeting in these last couple weeks here in the Sun Conference Tournament and at Nationals as well. But for now, I think they're the big dog at number one for the foreseeable future. And, you know, just keep in mind, it's also regular season as well. But th that's, that's my opinion on Thomas University. Moving on, Cody and I decided to put Kaiser at two. Cody said the Nighthawk defense was vicious, but the Kaiser offense still roared all the way back into this game and arguably could have left with the win. And that's all he wrote down. Um, look, I have Kaiser at two here. <sighs> this is a game they definitely could have won. I mean, if they, if they completed an extra point, it would have been tied. If they completed two of their extra points, they would have won. And so, I, I I just can't quite move them below Ottawa right now. I just can't. Because even then, I mean, if we're going to go by points and all that, like, spread-wise, I mean, Kaiser still lost by less than Ottawa did to Thomas. So... For now, Kaiser is at two here. I'm not super worried about them. I mean, there are a lot of things going on between the weather and being a little rattled to start and being on the wrong page. I think if they were to meet a third time, things will get pretty interesting here. I think Kaiser obviously has a pretty good chance at winning uh, one matchup against Thomas than Thomas does, uh, you know, staying undefeated against Kaiser, basically. And so we'll just have to see about that. Hopefully Kaiser can bounce back here. I mean, they showed signs of life near the end. And like I said, this game was real close. If a couple of things went differently, they could have won. But fortunately for Thomas, the game planned right. And, you know, they, they won. So there you go. But Kaiser's here at two. Very close at putting them at three. But for now, Cody and I decided to keep them at two. At three, we have Ottawa. Cody said, a nice week off to watch some Sun Conference and interconference competition and note some things that went wrong and how to exploit them. He's talking about Ottawa here. Uh, no movement from the head of the KCAC, but lots of learning happening to surge in the postseason. But lots of learning happening to surge in the postseason. I think I might have read that with the wrong tone. I get what he's saying, though. Ottawa, uh, I mean, can't move them up because they didn't really play. And even if they did, uh, at this point, some of the Sun Conference opponents, and we're just being real, are better than the KCAC opponents this season. So, you know, Thomas versus Kaiser, that matchup it weighs a little bit more heavier than some of these other KCAC matchups. Like I said, just for this season. You know, we'll see what happens in the future. But for now, Ottawa, I mean, hey, can't count them out. There's, like Cody said, they're learning. You know, this was a great week to get film for Ottawa. A great week. And so, at the end of the day, or really at the end of this season and the postseason, we'll see if Ottawa applies what they potentially learned. So, we'll see about that. At number four, we have St. Thomas uh, moving up here. I mean, Weber was at four here. Uh, last week, St. Thomas, they just moved up here. Uh, Cody said it was an all-you-could-intercept buffet following de the delay. 
three players record an interception this game. And Julianne, Jules, Jokowski, we'll, we'll call her Jules from here on out, um, if that's what she prefers, has a nearly flawless game, throwing three scores and 165 yards with two connections going to Rayona Baker. A season sweep over Weber is big time for St. Thomas. And congrats to these Bobcats for clinching a spot in the playoffs. Yeah, St. Thomas, I mean... Look, coming off of a big dub versus Warner here, they are climbing these standings week by week here. Get another big dub against Weber, exploding in this fourth quarter, it seems here. I uh, love to see that. You know, this this St. Thomas team, we've known that they've had athletes over there. They're definitely in competition here. So we'll just have to see what happens uh, moving forward. Now at five, we have Weber. Cody said, tough loss and a little frustrating to not see Weber squeak out a win against St. Thomas this season. But they were close up until the end. The offense was pretty harassed and stalled out in the fourth, and too many turnovers in big games has somewhat plagued the Warriors this season. And they have to clean up. They have to clean up to compete in the postseason. Absolutely agreed. I think this Weber team has showed what they could do. I think as far as talent, they're as good as anybody else in this top five. I think their biggest thing is consistency. That's kind of what it always has been. Just consistency, playing a clean game, especially offensively and all that. And so they moved down to five, but they're not outside the top five here. Like I said, as far as talent goes, they're up here. But consistency seems to be the plague here, especially in some of these big games. And so hopefully that changes down the stretch. Now at six, we got Warner. Uh, Cody said it may not have been flawless in what was a very wet and windy day in Florida for all teams. But Trinity Karen went rampant in this game with a punt return for a touchdown and scoring the other two touchdowns in a long, explosive fashion. Warner steps up here and performs against a good FMU defense, but still has a lot to prove with their next two games being their toughest. Absolutely agreed. Uh, FMU, I mean, like I said, they are, they're climbing up in here. They're climbing for sure. But Warner, I mean, they, they were probably still favored to win this game regardless of what the weather was or what FMU was doing. Like I said, favored. And so they got it done. But these next two weeks are going to be really telling here. If they're going to move up in the standings, they've been kind of in this weird little 5-6 spot here, you know. But if they're going to move up in the standings, you got to catch some big dubs against some big-time opponents. So we'll see what they do. Now at 7, we both have Kansas Wesleyan. Cody says after a week with three interconference wins, Kansas Wesleyan has to feel great about their dominant performances as well as their comeback win that showed the range and capabilities of this squad. Alexa Manser is heating up down the stretch, and so is the rest of this Kansas squad on defense. Absolutely agreed. I mean, look, that comeback win against uh, St. Mary's, that was big time. You know, you'd love to see that. That's grit. That's the type of grit that you're going to need when you play teams like Ottawa. We are going to have to face off with regardless, probably in the conference championship and maybe even at nationals as well. You know, they just got to, if they could beat Ottawa, then they could show that they are one of the top teams in the country and one of the, you know, national contenders. I think personally, they have the talent. It's just about putting it all together and, you know, staying consistent with it. But I did like what I see. Uh, Brianna Hernandez-Silva is tearing it up 
this season. I'm telling you, man, she's killing it. For me, she is currently the front runner personally for my Offensive Playmaker of the Year award here. Uh, she's been powering this offense, you know, with or without Angel Roman. And then you have, I mean, speaking of Angel Roman, you have players like Angel Roman, who's doing it on both sides as a freshman. Alexa Manser is definitely playing very good football here down the stretch like we knew that she could here and and i mean this goes with everyone honestly jada wilson as well uh all, all these kansas wesleyan players they're playing very good you know going undefeated in a week full of conference games it's not easy you know but they got it done and i believe most of these games were also on the road so definitely confident in kansas wesleyan here at seven can't quite move them past warner yet though and I know Cody really wanted to move Kansas Wesleyan up here, like into this top five. But personally, I just couldn't, I couldn't quite put them there just yet. Um, I honestly, I need to see them probably prove themselves in the national tournament or knock off Ottawa in the conference championship uh, before I can move them above this spot. Personally, that's just me, you know, and I, I know how talented they are. So there you go. But anyways, moving on at number eight, we have St. Mary's. Cody said it really stinks to blow the lead they did on the on the fifth. I think he meant in the fourth. Cody meant in the fourth. So anyways, he says it really stinks to blow the lead they did in the fifth, but they showed some serious promise and chemistry. But ultimately, they need to hit on these deep shots to win more games and be taken a little more seriously. Uh, yeah, no, agreed. I mean, offensively... Look, this is an offense that could probably be the top offense in the entire country. I believe their receivers are very good. I look at Caroline Simpson, a freshman who has great ball skills, real shifty as well. Ashlyn Tuss, she's been killing it. She had a little three-touchdown game. I want to say Jerrica Johnson, she is just a playmaker on offense and defense. I mean, they got players over there. I think, and I mean, their quarterback's not bad either. But she is a little inconsistent, a little hit or miss, a uh, little off at times. And it's not just her. I mean, it's on the receivers to get on the same page as your quarterback. And so we'll just have to see. But they are talented. They have talent. Unfortunately, they just couldn't get it done enough times uh, this last week to move up. So there you go. At nine, we have FMU. Cody said a great defensive showing. Outside of one player running rampant, uh, it was also nice to see FMU snap this month-long streak of not scoring and gradually decrease their margins. They do have quite the handful next week with Thomas to show where they are, where they are really at compared to the top dog in the country. Absolutely agreed. I mean, they have a ton of athletes over there. Defensively, it's shown. You know, offensively, I mean, it's shown, but. Not as well as defensively, and so that's why they're here at 9. At 10, we have Cody. Uh, Cody said a quiet week for Cody precedes a storm of three games in the next week, but one in which they should be licking their chops to play spoiler. Hopefully too much rust didn't collect during the break, and they can pull out some more wins to close out their season. And yes, I know they have another game the following week, but a nice rhythm being established in the stretch wouldn't be a bad thing. Agreed. I mean, I think maybe my only concern is that it's kind of been a long time since they played a football game and uh, since they've gone that dub as well, you know, and so momentum is 
I, I don't know if it's there or if it's just waiting or whatever. But, you know, we'll see. As Cotty does play a number of games here at the end. The, I think maybe the most games here at the end of the season compared to teams around the country. So, so there you go. That, that could actually help them out a lot. Now, at 11, we have Midland. I'm, I'm going to read what Cody said. So, he wrote out Psy. So, he's signed. <sighs> this Midland squad did a lot of the right things in the offseason and recruited hard, but have not found a consistency on offense to instill confidence in themselves or us here in the media. The talent is here, but the execution is lacking and the mental toughness needs to... Or wait, and the mental toughness needs a kick to get going again. Finish strong, Vikings. Uh, Vikings. I, b I believe it's the Midland Warriors. <laughs> but anyways, I I know it looks like a Viking though, so I I'm not gonna talk too much about that. I mean, yeah, agreed. Uh, look, Angel Iowain isn't a horrible quarterback. Haley Stanton isn't a horrible quarterback either. Uh, I, they, one of them has to step up though and play a turnover clean game. I think just honestly on this level, you really can't get away with having turnovers as a quarterback. You know, I'd rather you have no turnovers than, and, and you know, maybe not as many stats and yards than a ton of turnovers. You know, sometimes you got to rely on the defense a little bit there. And so one or the other has to settle in. Angel Iowain, I mean, it's her job to lose at this point, to be honest with you. And she's shown a lot of potential. This is probably, well, it's for sure a growing year for her. But we just got to see a little bit more here. I mean, look, it's hard to move them up here, even though we know they have the talent. Uh, because they're not winning. And when they're losing, it doesn't look pretty either. So we just got to see. You know, you can't have turnovers on offense. You just can't. And so, hopefully, this is a learning experience for Midland uh, moving forward here. Even though they have shown some very good flashes all around. So, yeah. At 12, we have Milligan. Uh, Cody said more games. Give me more games now. I agree. They scheduled that Florida trip. Played a ton of teams. Uh, they played Cody. And then that's basically being it for the most part now. It's tough to move him up if, you know, your whole season's in a week or two. So, yeah. There you go. Then at 13 is Xavier. Cody just said Xavier about to catch a truancy charge. Where are they? And uh, honestly, I don't know because they're on nobody's schedule right now. But anyways, those are our power rankings for week 8 here. One more time just so you know. And actually, let's go in reverse order. At 13, we have Xavier. 12, Milligan. 11, Midland. 10, we got Cotty. 9, Florida Memorial. 8, St. Mary. 7, Kansas Wesleyan. 6, Warner. 5, Weber, 4, St. Thomas University, 3, Ottawa, 2, Kaiser, and at number 1, your top dog for the X-something week, it's been like 3 or 4 straight weeks now, is Thomas University. Alright, now let's keep this thing going and talk Playmaker of the Week. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of candidates, for sure, definitely a lot of candidates. Let me just list off a couple here. Um, well, right off the bat, I mean, Kansas Wesleyan's Brianna Hernandez-Silva. I feel like she's always going to be in contention here, but oh my god. Against uh, St. Mary, she had an excellent game. Senior night as well. Rushed for 103 rushing yards, two touchdowns as well. Also went 19 of 33, uh, passing for two, touchdown two more touchdowns and 226 passing yards there. Absolutely killing it. 
Uh, we also have uh, Kui Wailai. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. I know I'm saying her last name right. Wailai against Midland here. Um, six receptions, 78 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Also, an interception in this game. In the St. Mary Midland game, one of the candidates easily, I would say, is probably Jerrica Johnson for the Spires. Nine receptions, 78 receiving yards, eight receiving touchdowns, three tackles, two interceptions, three pass deflections. Absolutely just killing it in that game, to be honest with you. And then going over into the Sun Conference from this Thomas and Kaiser game, Honestly, it was it was kind of tough to pick from. Uh, I definitely, I definitely struggled here between, oh my gosh, between a lot of players: Janae Scott, Brittany Delva, Jada Reese, Asanai Glover, Kara Brown, even Kiana Aiko as well. Not even I'm, that wasn't supposed to sound like that, but Kiana Aiko as well. Uh, I think though I'm gonna have to go ahead and pick Janae Scott here out of this game i mean she had 10 total tackles that big time pick six which i mean if they don't get that then obviously they don't win this game here uh she also had about well she had three rushes for like two yards so i mean you know she she contributed a little bit on offense but mostly on defense and defensively was where this team really really came through in my opinion that's that's where this game was won on defense for thomas so i think that's fair uh to go ahead and give it to janae scott here at least for this game in that saint thomas game i think this one's kind of obvious but i gotta give it to jules yokowski uh very excellent game here three touchdowns 165 passing yards a very clean game here uh to go ahead and get the dub over weber and then in this Warner FMU game, I'm going to have to consider a Trinity Kieran as a playmaker of the week. I mean, just killing it. Punt return for a touchdown, two very long touchdown receptions. I It should be obvious why she's in consideration for playmaker of the week. But only one person, only one player could win playmaker of the week. And there are so many. There always is. But I think of this week, I'm going to go ahead and name Janae Scott of Thomas University as your week eight playmaker of the week this week 10 tackles on defense a pick six and then also on offense you know three rushes and a couple yards here on the way to beating Kaiser in a very close matchup 19 to 18 so I gotta go ahead and give it to Jaday Scott a leader of this defense or one of the many leaders on this defense to help get them that dub against Kaiser. Alright, so there we go. Let's go ahead and talk end of the year award races here. So we haven't gotten any new um, people to add on. Well, except for Florida Memorials, Erica Johnson added to the defensive playmaker of the year list. Uh, had a pretty Has been having a pretty good season here. I mean, I don't have her stats just yet. Those are things that I will find here. And so I'll actually post that graphic updating all the stats of these, uh, you know, award candidates. Yeah, award candidates here. Uh, probably on Sunday once I get all the stats from this last week here. So uh, there you go. Erica Johnson does have at least five or six interceptions on the season so far for Florida Memorial. But let's go ahead and get into the updates here. Uh, look, I don't have the stats for everyone, so I'm going to do... Um, basically what I can here uh, with what I got and so in the MVP race Jasmine Roden did play 
did struggle a little bit, but did what did go 26 of 38, 175 passing yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, but four rushes, 15 yards, and that rushing touchdown as well to go ahead and give Kaiser that lead. So not too bad. This is a tough defense they're going up against. Uh, Caleb Burrows don't have her stats yet. Brittany Delva versus Tom or for Thomas, sorry, um, had a pretty good game. Four receptions, 32 receiving yards, a touchdown, eight tackles, one interception, one pass breakup. So there you go. Our offensive playmaker of the year candidates we have Brianna Hernandez Silva, quarterback for Kansas Wesleyan. A uh, number of really good games. First off, went 19 of 33. 226 passing yards, two touchdowns, 103 rushing yards, two touchdowns versus uh, the St. Mary's the first time on April 1st. Then against Midland on April 5th, 18 of 34, 190 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, 45 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. And then versus St. Mary's on April 5th, she also had two touchdowns in that game. Like I said, waiting to get some of these stats from some of these games. Now Kaiser's wide receiver Kennedy Foster is also on this list. Had a pretty good game. Despite them playing very good defense on her, five receptions, 68 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. Uh, we also have Ottawa's uh, receiver Alyssa Linkus did not play this week. We have Weber's uh, quarterback slash athlete Sierra Harris had a number of rushing yards, but don't have those official stats just yet here for Weber. St. Thomas's wide receiver Tyler Bryant she caught a touchdown and also an extra point in that game. Now our deport candidates we have Jada Wilson. Defensive back for Kansas Wesleyan. She had four tackles, an interception, pass breakup versus St. Mary's in that dub. Then against Midland, she had four tackles. Uh, Weber's Breezer Robinson don't have those stats yet, but will get those soon. St. Thomas's defensive back to Shumble Washington. Another big-time defensive performance, snagging her second, uh, well, snagging an interception for a second straight week here. St. Mary's DB Ashlyn Tuss, two tackles, two pass deflections. Uh, on April 1st versus Kansas Wesleyan. She did have other stats in these other games, but mostly on offense there, so that's kind of where I'm leaving that. Uh, Thomas's Jada Reese, three tackles, two tackles, four losses, a sack. Like I said, Florida Memorial's Erica Johnson, freshman defensive back, has been added to this list as well. We'll get her stats when we can. Now, freshman of the year, Angel Roman, athlete for Kansas Wesleyan, kind of turning it up here. Honestly, but she had five receptions, 59 receiving yards, two tackles, an interception, and deflection, I want to say, against the University of St. Mary's. Uh, Weber's quarterback, Sam Wilson, did play this last week, but didn't. Uh, well, we don't have those stats right now, so there you go. We will update those soon. Kaiser's receiver, Adriana Cavallotti, uh, was targeted a couple times, but didn't bring in anything uh, this last game against a tough Thomas defense. So there you go. St. Mary's receiver slash... Defensive back, Caroline Simpson, had four tackles, a reception for seven yards, I believe, against Kansas Wesleyan. Other than that, couldn't find many other stats here. Uh, like I said, it's, it's hit or miss with some of these stats for some of these teams. And even then, it gets a little situational. Warner's uh, freshman quarterback, though, Madison Tingen, did pass for two passing touchdowns this past week. And then, lastly, Ottawa's receiver, or sorry, Addie Orsborne, uh, did not play this week as Ottawa did not play this week. All right, now let's go ahead and talk real quick about week nine. A couple games here, April 8th, whenever this episode comes out, we'll have Ottawa versus Kansas Wesleyan. I believe that is actually 
Kansas Wesleyan's last game of the season. So that'll be their um, regular season finale there. That should be a big one. Um, possibly their last matchup before the conference championship. So we'll see. April 9th, we have Midland versus Cotty College at 2 p.m. Central Time. A couple days later, April 11th, we have St. Mary versus Cotty College at 3 p.m. Central Time. April 13th, Ottawa versus Cotty College at 5 p.m. Central Time. Told you Cotty's playing a lot of games. Jeez, three games in the span of a couple days here. Three or four days here. And then April 14th, we have a number of games. Warner versus Kaiser at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. And then Weber versus Kaiser at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And on that same day, uh, it says time to be decided. We have Florida Memorial versus Thomas. So a lot of pretty interesting matchups here. Cotty College basically finishing up their season. Kansas Wesleyan finishing up their season here. Um, also, I believe Midland is going to be finishing up their season here. And then Warner, Kaiser, Weber, FMU, and Thomas playing their second or third to last game of the regular season. So, all things to look out for here. <sighs> okay, that is your Week 8 recap here. Episode 144 of the Playmakers Corner. Thank you for listening to us. Right now, it is 9.25 p.m. Mountain Time, that is 11.25 p.m. Eastern Time for all our fans out there. These episodes are, I'm not going to lie, we, we put in a lot of work in these, and so we hope that y'all like them. Uh, we've had a message saying, you know, why don't y'all come out to games and stuff like that. So just additionally questioning, you know, like, you know, why we're qualified to do this. Honestly, we're not. We're learning as we go, and we do know our football. We're not a bunch of idiots. We've all played football. We've been around it. We know college coaches uh, on from every level, basically, NAIA, D2, D3, D1, and then we do know some high school flag football coaches as well, and so we're learning, and so hopefully we're doing uh, these teams justice by covering them this season. I mean, it's, honestly, it's just an honor to be able to cover some of these teams and for those of you who don't know as well we're also in Colorado which is why we can't attend games in Florida Georgia we can in Kansas and Nebraska kind of but some of those games are pretty much always midday especially here in the regular season it's like near the middle of the day or uh, kind of in the afternoon on a weekday and we all have jobs here on the podcast we all have jobs outside of this podcast nobody does this full-time i mean that's that's just how it is and so we apologize if the coverage isn't as good as it could be but also if it's not then you know you can follow somebody else that does it but for now we are doing the best we can here would absolutely love to see these teams play in person but everyone here on the podcast i mean we got we got families to provide for we have um obviously people to feed other than ourselves you know and so it's hard for us to just take a weekend off and go to florida or georgia we're not espn you know not at all we do this for free and for the love of the game and so hopefully you the listeners understand that uh, because we put in a lot of work and so to be disrespected kind of like that or to be questioned like that does definitely hurt just a little bit so i'm just gonna throw that out there i'm not shouting anybody out or calling anybody out i'm just saying those are just some of the messages we have gone from this last uh, weekend and uh yeah but 
other than that, thank you for rocking with us. If you want to follow us on social media, which hopefully you do, uh, that's at Playmakers Corner on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok as well. Uh, we post a whole bunch of content there, you know, and we, we try to put on as many teams as possible, as many upcoming players as possible, so I'll be on the lookout for that. Sometimes we don't always get to cover it on a podcast episode, so just keep that in mind. Uh, and also, it's just a good source to know when episodes are dropping, uh, what sort of updates are going on as, like I said, we're humans, we have lives and jobs, some of us multiple jobs outside of this and so things get a little crazy from time to time you know and uh all that great stuff and so go ahead and follow us uh, just in case you know we have to change when uh episode drops or whatever so there you go there also go ahead and subscribe to our twitch and our youtube channel at playmakers corner we are live streaming football content on those as in doing film breakdowns all that great stuff we'll probably do some sort of live film breakdown of some uh, female flag football players here soon and then also i believe we're gonna do our end of the year award show on a live stream we're, we're figuring out the how we want to do these end of the year awards i think right now how we got it is that we're gonna eventually cut these award lists to uh final four and then myself and cody will each have a vote and then a shout out to NAI uh, football, and or I think it's NAI football actually on Twitter. I want to say, but they cover NAI football, both women's and men's. Go ahead and give them a follow as well. I gotta give them a shout out. But uh, they have two people who are gonna vote on this list as well. And then you, the fans, are gonna be able to vote for these end of the year awards. Uh, at the end of the season on our Twitter. And if you have anybody you want to add to these end of the year awards, like, let us know. I Like I said, we're not in Florida. We're not even on the East Coast. Shoot, we're not even in the Midwest. We're all the way in Colorado, Mountain Time. And so we accept all the help possible because, you know, we're trying our best to cover these teams and uh, give them as much justice as possible. So uh, there you go. Ooh, I hope you have a good day. I hope you have a good day. And um, yeah, we'll catch you later. <laughs>